we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, just hilarious. Envy had to step out for a second, but we have the great Malcolm Gladwell here this morning. Good morning, Good morning. brother. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. morning. He just released a, a six-part series. Uh, Revisionist History is back. What we is are. the series about, man? It's about uh, gun violence. Okay. Mm. I decided to do a, an ex, sort of an extended look at what we're not talking about mm. when it comes to guns in this country. Um some of the it ranges all over the map. There's a we start out by making fun of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is surprisingly easy to do. Mm. Uh, <laughs> there's one. There's this one case that they had two years ago, um, which is this big the New York City where they struck down the, uh, a New York State gun law that had been in place for a hundred years, mm. and there's an exchange, and they tape. You know, their oral arguments they tape them so you can listen to them. There's an exchange where the justices, two of the justices. Alito and Kavanaugh are arguing with the lawyer for New York State, and their their argument is that we would all be better off if we could carry handguns on the subway. And the lawyer for New York State is like, basically, she's insane. Basically, she's like, "Have you ever ridden the subway? Do yeah. you know what it, what a gunfight on a subway would look like?" <laughs> and they're completely oblivious. 
And I, so we, I went on and on about this, like imagining it's a bunch of guys, one of the guys, Alito's from, he's like a rich kid from suburban New Jersey. Yeah. I, if he has ever ridden the subway in his life, I'd mm-hmm. be very surprised. Kavanaugh's like a rich kid from suburban DC, mm-hmm. who like, you know, the closest he came to the subway was his mom's minivan. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're right. having this surreal conversation where they legit think that if everybody on, a, on the A train had a Glock, we would be safer. Like, it's just like mm-hmm. that level. So that's, that's sort of one of the early ones. And then tell a bunch of one story about a crazy story about a guy in Alabama mm-hmm. um, who had a sh- shooting in his home and what happens when the ambulance doesn't come because they think the the kid who got shot is black. Mm. Wow. And um, and then I went, the last one is the wow. one of the most moving ones I've ever done. I, there's a, 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 a guy, a, an ER doc at the University of Chicago Hospital called, called Abdullah Price and grew up on the South Side, but goes to med school and then practices on the South Side. And that's, you know, obviously one of the epicenters of gun violence in yeah. this country. I mean, I just sat down with him. I went to Chicago, I sat down with him and he's sort of talking about the experience of when you don't know, it, when the, the people are wheeled in on the gurney on a Saturday night, after, and he'll know, chances are he grew up with that kid. Mm. He told me, I think 15 people he grew up with have been killed by, by guns in the last, since he, you know. And when he said grew up with, he meant friends, people. Mm. He said his, his definition was somebody who was in his phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? know them personally. Um, I just it was so I just I just went all around the country, you know, Alabama, Chicago. Yeah, went to hung out with some trauma surgeons in D.C. Um, talk about what happens when uh, when you show up at a, and it was just the most the the one of the fascinating things about it was, um, very few of the people who I talked to who are on the front lines of gun violence in this country mm. talked about gun control. Mm. It doesn't interest them. It's it's they see what's going on and the debate that we the policy debates we have in Washington are just so far removed from their daily experience. If two kids both with illegal handguns get high on a Saturday night and have an argument and shoot each other, how exactly is a law in Washington supposed to fix that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Or if you get shot and you die because this is the story I was telling in Chicago. For mm. the longest time, there was no trauma center on the south side of Chicago. If you got shot, they took you by ambulance all the way to the north side. You know how far that is oh, in wow. traffic? Yeah. So lots of people, all these cases of kids who would just die in the ambulance on mm. the way. Now, how exactly is like a, you know, some abstract argument about the Second Amendment going to fix the plight of somebody mm. who's got to spend 35 minutes in a, ambulance to mm-hmm. get to a trauma center. So it's like, I just I just came to this, conclu- this the conclusion that there's a, <clears throat> a lot of people in this country who are deeply invested in these debates that have been mm. going on for, uh, you know, for decades now. Mm. And they're just out of touch with, and even something as simple, this is maybe going to get me in a little trouble, but what do we, when we talk about gun violence in this country, we spend a huge amount of time talking about Mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Mass shootings are statistically a mm-hmm. drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's they're like they're rare. Yeah. And so we're consumed with the 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 very tiny part of the problem that happens to affect middle class suburban America. Right. And then the rest of it is like whatever. 
kind of shrugging or whatever. I, I got mm-hmm. so many questions based off what you just said. Uh, back to the subway thing real quick. Yes, I don't think handguns, everybody having a handgun on the subway will make things safer, but people do feel safer when they see police officers with handguns on the subway. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you explain that? Well, because a police officer knows how to use a gun. Right. Mm. The, the problem, mm. well, I mean, better than most. <laughs> yeah, the problem with a handgun is so hilarious. You talk to people who actually know a lot about guns, and they will tell you it is so hard to hit some hit what you want to hit with a handgun, particularly mm-hmm. if you're not an expert and you're terrified. Mm-hmm. So, like, if two people have a shootout on a, a subway car, they're going to hit everybody. They're going to mm-hmm. be like, it's going to be mayhem. Like yeah. this idea that everyone is cool under pressure when they're making a life or death decision with a handgun yeah. is nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even police, well, even police officers don't mm-hmm. always hit what they're supposed to hit. Yeah. Um, I had a really fun discussion with a prosecutor in Brooklyn on this very question, and he was like, "You know, I've been doing this for whatever twenty years." He's like, "Yeah, even even cops rarely shoot straight. So wow. why would mm-hmm. we want to introduce more guns into a closed steel box yeah. mm-hmm. running under the East River? You know, like it's just the, mm-hmm. but like it's just that the thing that's." Weird is just how out of touch. What I really, my real point in was not to get into an argument about guns on the subway. Is mm-hmm. was the idea that our policy is being made in this country by a bunch of people who are completely out of touch. Mm-hmm. Are they out of touch? Or are the are the gun lobbyists just too in their pockets? Because I mean, it's when you look, when you, both. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's they're just making these sort of abstract legal arguments, yeah. and mm-hmm. you want. I sort of wanted to. Why are they even debating gun control in Washington? Why don't they? They should take that show on the road. Let's let's put them on the A train at eight o'clock at night yeah. and then mm-hmm. show them. Okay, let's. What do you think would happen if six people on this uh, in this car right now were were carrying a handgun? I mean, there's just there has to be, we have to do something to kind of reconnect mm-hmm. the conversation. Why people. do you think uh, we as Americans are so obsessed with guns? Well, you know, I'm Canadian, so that's why I say we. I know. As Americans, <laughs> we. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you. No, no, I was going to say I didn't mean that to. You. I was no, just no, suggesting no. I got you. That I got you. But like, so it's just, <clears throat> you know, we're just to the north, mm-hmm. settled at roughly the same time, yeah, uh, by people from Europe, and you know, and yeah. whatever. I mean, the history is parallel, but we're not obsessed with. I've never been able to wrap my mind around why I don't have it. What I'm saying is, I can't answer that mm-hmm. question because I grew up mm-hmm. in Canada and we're. There's no guns. I didn't see a gun. Right. Till I till you got over here. Till I got over here. Lord. So I don't know. I mean, you could I suppose there's all kinds of complicated historical reasons yeah. for that, but it's weird mm-hmm. how kind of gun focused. Is it the legislation you think? I mean I don't I mean I don't know the gun laws in Canada, so Yeah. Well I the so if you watch this is a not an answer to the question either, but if you watch there's a category of Canadian Westerns. So the same idea some guy out on the range in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the frontier, like bringing justice. In Canadian westerns, the Mountie, not a not a not a sheriff, but like a, he spends all of his time like pulling dogs out of the river and like <laughs> and like mm-hmm. helping little old ladies. <clears throat> he doesn't even carry a gun. Like the oh, whole wow. in in the Canadian fantasy of the Wild West. Yeah, it's like you know somebody. Somebody lost a cow, and the, and oh, the man. they call on the in the American fantasy. It's like people are <laughs> yeah, shooting each other. Three hundred. So there's something <laughs> about that. the fantasies right mm-hmm. from the beginning. There was a weird set of fantasies that get mm-hmm. attached to. Um, I think TV. I did an episode of 
this series on this gun series on revisionist history on that looked that was all about gun smoke. Mm. Um, you know, it was the longest running Western. On Absolutely. TV. Mm-hmm. And we did, one of the things we did is we calculated, so Do- Gunsmoke takes place in Dodge City in Kansas. Mm. And we tried to calculate, based on the TV show, what would the hom- what's the homicide rate in the fictional Dodge City? And the answer is, it's like 80 times higher than, wow. a- than the highest homicide rate in a real American city. So our, in our fantasy world, we create an America that is, infinitely more dangerous and scary than the real mm. America, mm. right? And by the way, Gunsmoke was on TV for 20 years. It was it was on for 20, year, 20 years. It's one of the most popular TV shows yeah. of all time. And it was peddling a kind of vision of American life that was, again, out of touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Do, you, um, do you think that is because the media is always leading? They would say if it bleeds, it leads. So we think that America is way worse than it actually is because of the news? Yeah. I do think, well, it's, you know, it's an odd thing. I got really, you know, when Ron DeSantis was running around lecturing uh, New Yorkers on how dangerous New York is. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, New York and New York State are so much safer than Florida. Florida, Mm -hmm. You want to go someplace and put your life in your hands? Go to Jacksonville. (laughs) Jack and Kim. Wow. (laughs) The The idea that the governor of one of the most violent states in the country is lecturing New Yorkers, New York, New York City, New York City, and New York State. By the way, one of the safest mm-hmm. regions of the country. The idea, that, and nobody, he got a free pass. Everyone was like, "Yeah, New York must be more dangerous than Florida." No, mm-hmm. it's totally the opposite. Not- like, but so it's like it is. It's it's it. It is a fascination with this kind of violence, coupled with a set of like completely unexamined assumptions about what's dangerous in America, where the danger is, or yeah. like. Honestly, like, I, I, sorry, Google Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and then you will never go to Jacksonville again. That's all mm-hmm. I can Then you just give somebody donkey. I don't know. Yeah, I you know. just gave somebody donkey at a day from Jacksonville, didn't you? I don't know why Malcolm was shooting at Jacksonville this morning, but something <laughs> happened to Malcolm in Jacksonville. <laughs> and then we had a caller from Jacksonville. <laughs> Damn. I like, I, by the way, I should say, I have been to Jacksonville many times. Parts of Jacksonville are quite lovely. But, like, the, the, the governor of Florida should not be lecturing us about Violence is all I have to say. Yeah. Damn, Duval, your city caught one this morning. You said that people, <laughs> uh, people were not with the conversation we're not having about guns. What, what is yeah. that? Is it about the people? Because I feel like when they always they always have conversations about gun control, but they never talk about the people who actually own the guns. Mm. There's there's that. There is the well. There's the, there's all kinds of sort of weird things that we're not talking about. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about. I did that episode on trauma centers. We're not talking about the fact that uh, hospitals, trauma centers, should be where the victims of gun violence are. Mm. And we have a system right now in this country where we don't always, sometimes we do, we don't always put medical facilities where they're needed. Mm -hmm. We put them where they make the most money. Mm. And so that's one thing we don't talk a lot about when we should. It's a huge issue. You know, one of the episodes in the series, I looked at the question of uh, a homicide rate, a murder rate at any given time, is a function of two things. One is how much violence there is, and the second is how good how good is the medical care, right? Mm. If you get shot and you get taken directly to the hospital and they save your life, you're not a homicide victim. If the same thing happens and you don't get to the hospital time and you die, you are a homicide victim, mm. right? So a lot depends on how good your hospital system is. Yeah, mm. And a huge <clears throat> amount, if we have situations, like in Chicago, they did a study and they showed that um, if you were black, 
you traveled a lot further to a trauma center than if you were white, mm. right? Like that's something. Yeah, that's definitely. the kind of thing you should talk about. A big something. Right? Mm. It's, you know, you you could save a lot of lives if you cite another thing. Um, so maybe they're not trying to save them. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, just in, it's. I think it's in. It's in. It's indifference mm -hmm. is more than, um, or just like you know, uh, the 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 amount of oxygen. Like I said before, the amount of oxygen that gets taken up by mm -hmm. our obsession with mass shootings when they're a terrible thing, but they are they are so a tiny, such a tiny, tiny part of the problem. The idea that that's all we kind of talk about and yeah. obsess about is just weird. Um, mm. But um, also the. The idea that you know, in every profession, when any time, anytime people have an area of specialized knowledge, they're usually invested in making sure that not any kind of you know, if you're a doctor, mm -hmm. you're powerfully invested in the idea that you got to go to med school before you can practice medicine. You don't want any Yahoo practice, mm -hmm. you know, like you. Yeah. But gun owners will simultaneously go on and on and on, legitimately, about how much knowledge you need to handle a gun safely and fire it accurately and and at the same time, they're like, but everyone should be able to get one at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. That's just dumb. It should be the gun owners who are supporting restrictions around gun use because they're the ones who are aware of how legitimately difficult it is to handle a gun safely and appropriately. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why gun control isn't being pushed by, by gun lovers, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's, like I said, like, I, you know, I'm a big runner. I'm the last person who says everyone should run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Running's hard. You gotta yeah. take it seriously. You gotta know yeah. what you're doing. You gotta like, you know, prepare for it. I don't say you have a right. To, everyone should have a right to run ten miles in the morning. Maybe gun lovers are in a bubble because they know how to use their guns. They, you know, they go to the gun range all the time. People around them probably know how to use their guns mm -hmm. and go to the gun range. So in their mind, they're just assuming if you have a gun, you know how to use it. You know how yeah. to. I think that's probably maybe they. It's, what's, I spent uh, one of the episodes I go down to North Carolina and I hang out with this guy um, uh, Greg Wallace who's a he's a he loves guns he's a mm -hmm. does competitive shooting and yeah. he gave me a kind of we fired a, uh, an assault rifle and he gave me a kind of tutorial on mm. how to do it and just from spending an afternoon with him that's the thing I came away from it's like you you need it's hard mm -hmm. it, you have a there's a lot of and you know the the amount of caution he took like when I when I picked up the assault rifle and picked it up the wrong way, he was like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. like don't, you know, like he was. It was a real kind of. Um, uh, it was it was fascinating just just to see how yeah. in their own little world they're mm -hmm. super cautious around. Mm -hmm. guns, you know? How'd you feel when you fired that thing though? How'd you feel, Malcolm? Huh? Did you get a rush? Jesus! Uh, did I get a rush? <laughs> the first time I've ever picked up a gun in my life. Yeah. Uh, First time? First time. Okay. I was in a shooting range in rural North Carolina. Mm. I had, a, had an AR-15, mm. and uh, I felt, first of all, I was, it's really loud. Mm -hmm. You had a head? I had things on, but it was still loud. <clears throat> still loud. Uh, it was creepy at first, mm -hmm. and then you, with that, you can't help it. You get a little rush. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like... These things are big and heavy. And yeah. Like the idea that you have in your hands something that you could kill someone with is just strange. Mm -hmm. if you've never held a gun before. Mm -hmm. Have you, you? Have I shot a gun? Yeah. yeah, I never shot an assault rifle though, like an AR-15 or anything like that. Yeah. But you know, the handgun. Yeah. Like a little, like a little one, the little. Pyramid. I mean, we got a 357 at the house and a Glock at the house. 
Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on assault rifles now after yeah. using one? Well, I did that episode, and it was the one that got the most mail, basically saying, I think assault rifle bans are a dumb idea. Mm. Um, and they're dumb because they're not actually banning assault rifles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. <clears throat> an assault rifle is a kind of platform, and what assault rifle bans do is identify if you accessorize your gun with a certain number of cosmetic things, we think that's bad and we want to ban them. But they, mm. it's a semi-automatic rifle with a large magazine. Those are, you know, those are, un- you can still, they're still legal in many states that yeah. have assault rifle bans. So it's like kind of weird that why are we identifying a class of weapons because they look ugly and saying we should, but the other thing is like. What's the amount of damage they can do? Well, because most mass shootings do, are used. I know, by but F-15. we're not we're not banning. So rifles, rifles are 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 very you know they're semi-automatic rifles are a very lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. We're not banning semi-automatic rifles mm-hmm. with an assault rifle ban. We're banning a tiny subcategory that happen to have a certain number of cosmetic features that we don't like. So mm-hmm. it's like we're not solving the problem. Right. And then I sat down with this uh, trauma surgeon in D.C. who had studied. Mass shootings, and he's like, if that's what you, if what's your what's your worried about is mass shootings. Actually, the most lethal weapon used in mass shootings is our handguns, mm-hmm. because a handgun it gets into the details sort of grisly, but you, with an assault rifle, you shoot once, the person goes down, mm-hmm. and because it's boom, right? Mm-hmm. So, with a handgun, you shoot once, and sometimes the person doesn't go down, so you're more likely to be shot twice with if you're handgun. shot by a handgun. And the guy gets up closer and shoots you a second time, and he's more likely to kill you. So you're more likely to die from a handgun than a assault rifle. assault rifle in a mass shooting, which just says, by the way, which is a, all we're saying is guns are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. They're used in different ways. And to have as a, to, to spend all of our time and energy trying to remove one tiny subcategory of guns from the equation mm-hmm. in the hopes it's going to change things, it's just dumb. Yeah. It's just like the problem is much bigger than that. You're not solving it by, yeah. by, 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 you know, by taking a pair of scissors to one page of the gun manual, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what is the solution then? Like, like how did gun control in America get so broken? How do we fix it? Yeah. Um, He's from Canada, so he can't Canada. tell us yeah. anything about America. He's done a lot of research. Well, that guy, he has. So when I talked to that guy, Abdullah Price, in the last, the last of the episodes, um, which, it's, by the way, one of the most... So I sat with this guy. So he's a guy, he's in his 30s, mm-hmm. big football, so big, incredibly moving and powerful and thoughtful mm-hmm. guy. Just say he's sexy, Malcolm. First of all, that's that like. not what you're going to bring into this. <laughs> Malcolm is not going to say that man was sexy. I talked to this big, sexy uh, football player. Okay, like, no, no, he's not going to say I that. Knew, I knew, I just knew what I was like. I'm going to describe him. I'm just going to get in trouble. Uh, the, um, he, is he a handsome man? Yes, he is a handsome man, mm-hmm. Charlemagne, if that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And wow. he, so my point is, he's talking about, one of the things he does is he goes into elementary and middle schools in the south side of Chicago and hands out first responder kits and teaches the kids how to administer first aid if they're the first. Because oh, okay. it's a reality. That's, no, wow. that's terrible. That yeah. kind of, I mean, it's just, what he was mm. describing that, it's just like, it's so heartbreaking. Mm. And, For but children. What he would say is, and what he would talked about, it was, you know, a lot of gun violence is kids, is, is is 
is disputes between young people who don't know how to resolve their disputes peaceably. Mm. And you have to teach people uh, a kind of an emotional vocabulary that allows them to have an argument without pulling a gun. But yeah. that's a whole other six part series. Now you're talking about mental health and social and emotional yeah. learning. And but yeah. Maybe if we just maybe if we just put the gun control conversation on hold. Yeah. And said, All right, we'll get back to this when the time comes. It's it's important, but it's not as important as what you're just talking about. Mm-hmm. It is you've got kids, you know, Abdullah Price was talking about on in the neighborhoods where he works. It's you know, we're talking about multi generational beefs like you shot my cousin so i shot your brother so mm-hmm. i you know like you have to unravel that yeah. cycle and that yeah. takes a lot of time and a lot of care and a lot of attention and you know if we just focused on on trying to unravel that for a while and see if we make any headway that strikes me as being a really productive way to kind of attack the problem yeah you know why that makes so much sense it makes so much sense because you probably can get people to move on that faster than you ever will get them to move on actual gun control yeah Mm -hmm. that's a part i don't see any reason why people on both sides of the political fence shouldn't couldn't rally around around that Mm -hmm. like why do we pick a we we choose a fight that we know is the most divisive fight we can possibly have and that has zero chance of getting anywhere Mm -hmm. we're not getting anywhere with the court we have with gun control Mm-hmm. Not happening. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, why do we just bang our heads against the wall? Why don't we do something that would have more would be effective? Yeah. Can, can I pivot a little bit? If, if you don't want to talk about it, I understand. But you know, the whole Palestine-Israel conflict. Yeah. Is that what? What, is, what do you think the larger global ramifications of what we're watching right now will be? Ultimately, I, I, I have I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so beyond my. That's a. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I've ever. It's just all I all I know is that it's heartbreaking. That's all. I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, absolutely. Six part series. Tell us what you got a book. You still working on the next book too? Well, now I've, I'm I'm working. I put my 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 uh, Tom Bradley book on hold, and um, which turned into it turned into a book about anger and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not about Tom Bradley anymore. Well, I got interested in so, it is, mm-hmm. but what I got really interested in is he got made. Um, is is. <laughs> <laughs> I got interested in when, what strategies are available to the angry, because mm. it was it turned into this book about what it meant to be black in if you lived in Los Angeles in the 30s and 40s, mm. and this group of black guys who all go to UCLA mm-hmm. in the 30s: Tom Bradley, Jackie Robinson, Wally Strode, um, a bunch of people who go on to have really big career. Wally yeah. Strode was a huge actor in Hollywood, um, and a guy named Washington who was a big NFL player. And they're like the only black people on the UCLA campus. They all live in South Central. Mm-hmm. And they all have different strategies for dealing with the fact, you know, they were all on the UCLA football team and they played, the big game was against USC. And they got hung in it. Basically, a, US, a, a fraternity on the USC campus has a mock lynching mm-hmm. of the black players on the UCLA team. And they hang them, hang, hang them in effigy outside the frat just before the big game was. Um, between you see, you, 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 this is what's going on in their lives, right? right? And I so I, I, I turned I've turned the book into an examination of what are what are the strategies available to you if you're in that kind of situation? If mm. You're ang- they're angry, yeah, right? As you would be mm-hmm. if you grew up in L.A. black in the 1930s. And each of them of the people I'm profiling has a different strategy for dealing with that anger. Mm. You know, 
there's a one path is confrontation. Mm-hmm. I I I just start shouting. And there's a w- woman <clears throat> living in South Central. It's an incredible woman living in South Central who I write about. Who's that's her? That's what she does. Mm-hmm. She just stands up and starts shouting until mm-hmm. people. And then the other path is the Tom Bradley path, where you take all of your anger and you button it up. Mm-hmm. And he never. This is a man, you know, first black mayor of Los Angeles, endures the most unspeakable kind of uh, 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 experience, racist experiences, mm-hmm. come, trying to come to political power in LA, and never once, you know, lets on that he's been affected by it. I mean, he just wow. is this serene, and that's another strategy, is you just pretend mm-hmm. it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? You turn yourself into someone else. That's mm. not good either, though, right? Because no. it's like you're suppressing Eat, it. Well, they're all. What I'm interested in is there's no perfect strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's each strategy has a set of, of of costs and benefits, and it's up to the person to dis, to to figure out what the right right. And you know, everyone, not everyone, you guys have all you've all done this in mm-hmm. your life, right? Mm-hmm. You have sat down on some level, maybe not consciously, but you've sat down and you've figured out, how am I going to deal with the baggage I'm carrying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you've made compromises that, you know, to yourself, to those around you. You have Other times you've said, I'm not going to compromise. I'm mm-hmm. going to be, right? That's the, exactly. I want to I describe that process because it strikes me as being anyone who has ever been on the wrong side of a power equation mm-hmm. has had to go through that process everyone right and i want to figure out i want to kind of write a kind of guidebook to how you do that but you know it's interesting what you said you talk to any psychiatrists and therapists because before i started going to therapy i would just either suppress like those emotions or conform you Mm -hmm. know in 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 a a lot of cases and that was actually a big life lesson that i learned dealing with an individual like yo i'm never compromising myself for anyone so did you talk to any psychiatrists and therapists or people that did the work i mean that book i'm only halfway okay so i'm getting yeah i'm I'm getting i'm i'm i right now i'm i'm just doing the part where i'm describing the like i have a whole chapter on the um the whole group of there's a whole group of comics Mm -hmm. uh comedians uh living in south central in the 30s and 40s and who are allowed to be in movies in la only of course if they conform to a certain Mm -hmm. stereotype Mm -hmm. right there's the guy um jack benny's sidekick Mm. Uh, what's his name i've forgotten um, who has to play this kind of stupid butler, right? Mm-hmm. And but and he has little opportunities to kind of fight back. But he has to. Yeah. That's those are the rules. It, you want to be a certain mold to be, yeah. and yeah, you got to mm. that. That kind of women. Eddie Anderson. Eddie, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. whole thing, a whole chapter on Eddie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. The, he's he's the mayor of Central Avenue. He's this huge figure in South Central. Mm-hmm. In the, um, uh, in the 30s and 40s, but and, and known he's one of the most, he's he might be one of the most famous black men in America. In if you talked to in if you went to a wow. white person from Iowa in 1947 and said, you know, name three black people, he would be one of them. Mm. It'd be him and Joe Lewis and yeah, you know, so he's a huge figure. We've forgotten him now, but he's a huge. But so I tell his one of the chapters is about his extraordinary story. That's interesting because some people will say that that hasn't changed. Like yeah. you, know, you still, if you're black, you still have to play a certain role, whether it's mm-hmm. in hip hop, movies, or whatever, in order to have success. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I think that's absolutely the case. 
Well, listen, I know Malcolm Gladwell has to leave. The six-part series, Revisionist History, is out right now. I love Revisionist History. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to this six-part series, but I reference your uh, McDonald's oh. episode <laughs> quite often, yeah. you know, yeah. quite often. But thank you for coming, my brother. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, guys. It's Malcolm Gladwell. It's The Breakfast Club. Wake that ass up early in the morning. The Breakfast Club. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.